Welcome to the Footprints Across Texas. I'm Charles A. Bear. Today we'll be talking about the decade of prosperity of the Chrysler Brewery and the Chrysler Homestead in LaGrange, Texas from 1870 to 1880. So why don't you jump on board and together we'll explore this fascinating family, this remarkable family and remarkable story. The year 1870, and in January of 1870, Julia Kreischer is born. She is born into wealth. And wealth, I say, because the Kreischer Brewery has been in operation from 1866, roughly four years. But 1870 would mark the beginning of a prosperity that Kreischer never dreamed of when he sailed with his brother to this country. There are three boys and three girls now in the family. Julia, the newest born, is obviously the youngest, but as she is born, three other children are already in school. So there's this constant work ethic, there's this constant work of the brewery that has to be accomplished in order for Christ to maintain the lifestyle of which he has grown accustomed to. Many of his, his investments include real estate. He continues to buy acreage to expand the uh, the amount of land he has on the bluff to include what is now the golf course below. So there's roughly 400 acres that are acquired during these 10 years, this prosperity of 10 years. The other thing that's interesting about the, the, uh, the acquisitions is he pays for everything in gold coin, which continues to reinforce the belief that his finances were quite good during the Civil War as the South is still in the Reconstruction period. Somewhere in the 1870s, Kreischer decides to form a group along with some other German men on the bluff and in the community called the Verein. Now the Verein is much like a military organization right down to uniforms. They elect officers, there is a captain of the Rhine, there is lieutenants of the Rhine. Their job is to organize social events on the bluff. Those social events include dances, they include celebrations of certain holidays, they include what will become the king shoot. And as the Rhine continues to expand, Kreischer makes the decision to build on the bluff sometime in the early 1870s a pavilion. The pavilion is made out of wood. The pavilion is 130 feet by 70 feet. The floor is oak. There are benches completely surrounding. It can be moved for festivities, for celebrations, such as the 4th of July. There is also one celebration that is held once a year by the Verein. It is called the Schutzenverein, in other words, the King Shoot. To announce this grand occasion, an anvil was fired with gunpowder, which brought marksmen from all around and surrounding communities to the bluff in terms of a shooting competition. The competition ensued all day with marksmen resting in a V-rest aiming at wooden targets 50 yards down range and firing. Once a marksman would hit the bullseye, there would be a bell such as a cowbell behind the target. When the bell would ring, a rope pulley would release a picture 
of a German princess, therefore notifying the shooter that he had struck the bullseye. At the end of the day, the competition extended all day. At the end of the day, the, the marksman who was chosen as the best shot that day, in other words, the person who won that competition, was crowned king of the Schutzen Rhein. His escort, be it his wife or be it his girlfriend, was crowned the queen of the Schutzen Rhein. Their first task that day was to be paraded around the pavilion on the shoulders of the people celebrating on the bluff. The next major thing that happened was that the king got to break the keg of beer. So there was happiness and joy all around for the remainder of that day well into the night. Dancing ensued, games ensued. It was quite a festive occasion. The winner also received a rifle to notify him that he was the actual king of the Schutz and the Rhine, along with a gold pin. And that was good for a full year until the competition ensued the following year. So it was a festive occasion on the bluff. The other thing that happens in the 1870s is that Kreisch's bluff becomes the social hub, if you would, of LaGrange and Fayette County. There are parties here, there are waltzes here, there are balls held here, and they are advertised in newspapers, both the German newspaper and in the LaGrange Journal, to let people know that Heinrich Kreischer is holding a ball. But it wasn't just Kreischer holding the ball, it was the Rhine. The Verein became very instrumental in organizing things. Other interesting, uh, if you would, point or celebration during this period of time was a thing called German Day. German Day actually began way back in Philadelphia with the settlement of German immigrants to this country. And as it did, it expanded westward. There were umpapa bands. There were, there were bands that played all day on the bluff. There was beer, obviously, sold on the bluff. There were sold in glass uh, pitchers, sold in, in mugs. So all the businesses would close at noon on the particular Friday of German Day to celebrate all that day and well into the night. Many of the parties that were held on the bluff and the waltzes and the dances went well past midnight. They ate fried chicken. They ate ice cream. They obviously drank a lot of beer. And at dark, they descended the bluff to go back to their homes, crossing the river below the bluff at the natural fords that existed. It was a festive time. It was a festive occasion. And Kreisha played it to the hilt. In the background of all this festivity and in the background of all this prosperity, sits the tomb. The tomb is becoming a constant point, a focal point, that will become a sore in the Christ legacy that will lead to a legacy that's a, the proverbial thorn in the side. The upkeep that's going to be required to maintain that tomb, any kind of semblance of a tomb, will be extremely demanding on both Heinrich his family, and especially Josepha. 
Josepha continues to be the matriarch of the family, but now she's responsible for six children, herself, Heinrich, and three workers from the brewery, cooking three meals per day, hauling water, and also helping out with all the other tasks such as gardening and raising crops and tending to animals. Heinrich is getting older. It is getting closer toward the end of the, the prosperity decade. And you can start to see changes take place in him. Changes both from the outside and changes physically. One of the things in writing the book that I found was, was very interesting. At the end of the day, the children were instructed by Josepha to go outside with rakes and rake the bones back into the tomb. It was common for trespassers to come up onto Christ's bluff, remove the bones from the tomb, play with the bones, and even use them for target practice. So at the end of the day, it was the children's responsibility to put the bones back in the tomb. That's amid snakes, amid all kinds of vermin and, and rodents and all kinds of things that they just had to deal with back in the day. In 1878 seems to be the high point of the Kreischer production in the brewery. He is wealthy. He is a very, very wealthy man. So much so that he gains the attention of St. Louis brewers. One of those being a man named William Lemp. William Lemp comes to Kreischer, so the story says. Now, William Lemp uh, has the largest brewery in St. Louis. William Lemp is the producer of Falstaff beer. Lemp beer is one of the finest, most widely distributed beers in the nation. And it says to Heinrich Kreischer, if you join me and carry my beer and I carry your beer as brands, I'll make you wealthy beyond your imagination. Kreischer could not see what the future would hold, nor could William Lemp. But he knew that when he was successful at what he was doing, and he rejected Lemp's offer, much to his chagrin when it comes to about 1879, 1880. As refrigeration starts to show, Kreischer doesn't have the ability to keep his beer cold with ice. He has the ability to keep the beer in the vault at 60 degrees, so it was served as a warm beer. The other thing that starts to change at the, at, toward the end of the, the decade is that the railroads start to improve. They are recovering from the Civil War era, and the Galveston-Houston-San Antonio Railroad bypassed LaGrange during the Civil War, but there's talk of running a spur from the town of just west of Columbus to LaGrange. And that would change everything in terms of brewing, in terms of availabilities of beer. But all's not all's not dull for Kreischer. There are uh, there are celebrations still to be had. There is the Verein. There is the uh, the Fourth of July celebration. And as I wrote the book, one of the Fourth of July celebrations I found, which had to be transcribed from German, focused on Lagrange. It started at five o'clock in the morning. And the, uh, the firing off the bluff of uh, gunpowder, black powder was very much available during a period of time, so they would fire anvils and explode 
uh, charges off the bluff at five o'clock in the morning. This particular 4th of July, there was a thunderstorm at four o'clock and four or five o'clock in the morning. So not only did you have the noise, it awoke the whole city of LaGrange from the firing of anvils and celebrating the 4th. You had the, uh, the, the percussions of Mother Nature is a good way to describe it. They'd awoke the whole town. So everyone proceeded and they walked across the river at the Natural Ford at the lower end of Washington Street up to the bluff. And as one of the descriptions in that particular uh, article that says uh, none of the ladies minded getting their feet wet and they, they dressed in their proper all the way taking their shoes off and walking across the river and then putting their shoes back on to walk up the 200 foot bluff. So there was a there was a lot of fun, a lot of uh, celebration that particular day, and everybody danced and celebrated to the Grand Republic. Kreisha could see things that were starting to change, especially in the brewery business. And I said that earlier. In 1880, he makes the decision to donate $1,000 to help bring that railroad to Lagrange. And after he does that, he remarks in, in notes to his wife, he said, I probably just made the biggest mistake of my life because what that did was open the door to invite his competition. That competition coming in the form of August Bush and a beer called Budweiser. August Bush would go on to become infamous with the Bush Brewery and the Bush name. But he had the ability to ship beer from St. Louis by rail into LaGrange in ice cars and to preserve that beer so that the people of Fayette County and of LaGrange in particular could enjoy an ice cold beer versus Kreischer's, uh bluff beer. So much so that Kreischer becomes a distributor in his Bismarck Saloon of Anheuser-Busch beer. So that closes the, the decade of the 1870s for the Chrysler family. The next decade of the 1880s will be quite different and quite interesting. So why don't you join me next time for the Crisis of Fayette County, the remarkable story of a remarkable family.